Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays, coming to you from Indianapolis, just about an hour after Big Ten Media Days concluded was when we're recording this here in Indianapolis. We might, we might be back to Columbus by the time you're listening to this on Thursday, but reason why this week's episode coming to you a little bit later is Ohio State had its turn at Big Ten Media Days on Wednesday. We wanted to be able to recap all of that for you, talk about everything we learned in Indianapolis over the last two days, and Griffin Strom will join me on the show shortly to do so. But coming to you first, I had the opportunity to have a conversation with Gene Smith while I was in Indianapolis to talk to him about a wide variety of topics, some of which were also among the topics covered at Big Ten Media Days, such as conference expansion, NIL. Also talked to him about just the overall state of Ohio State athletics as well. Not just Ohio State football, but Ohio State basketball. We talked about the women's hockey team winning the national championship last year, about how you know the athletic departments moving forward after taking a deficit a couple years ago due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I was happy to have a chance to sit down with Gene and talk to him about everything that's going on with Ohio State as we get ready to start a new year in Ohio State sports. In just a few weeks, Ohio State football going to be starting preseason camp just one week from now. So it's actually going to be next Thursday, August 4, that Ohio State will be holding its first football practice of the year. And we'll be back. We'll be back at our regularly scheduled day of Wednesday. Wednesday next week to preview football camp, but we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about today about everything we learned in Indianapolis and gonna start that off with an interview with Gene Smith. All right, Gene, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. It's it's obviously been a busy summer for uh, the Big Ten with USC and UCLA joining the conference, and you know, just wanted to get your thoughts first of all on just how that will bolster the future of the conference. Well, it, it makes us stronger as a league. You have two institutions that are AAU institutions, great academic institutions, and that is the number one in the number of applicants that they get for students at their institution. And just two great schools with a great competitive history and tradition and good good presidents and, and chancellors at, at LA in particular. And then you know, two great ADs. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Gives us access to another market where we have the opportunity to being the three top markets in the country, in New York, Chicago, and L.A., and just really excited about the opportunity. The Big Ten has always been a regional con- conference centric to the Midwest. Now it's stretching all the way out to Southern California. Do you have any concerns about the travel implications? Of- we'll work with our colleague, my colleagues in the, in the league, and, and ultimately when you see and you'll see to just make sure that we keep the student athlete welfare in, in our focus and and be really kind of conscientious about that. Many of our sport teams travel around the country right now. In fact, I, I, I lose track of them half the time because they're in Texas, California, and Florida, and some overseas. So, you know, our student athletes are used to travel, and, but, this, but we, need, we need to really be conscious of that once we get down to the, the operational part of setting schedules. I'm sitting here at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis right now, and Kevin Warren was at the podium on Tuesday morning, and he said that any future expansion in the Big Ten will be done for the right reasons at the right time. In, in your opinion, what would be the right reasons for continuing to expand in the Big Ten? 
Well, you know, we're strong right now. In picking up East Hill and USC made us stronger. And so, you know, my primary focus is on, you know, who we, who we are right now. And we know the landscape's changing. It's going to change. So I really haven't thought about criteria for the future that we would consider. Obviously, the criteria that we use once USC and UCLA approached us will still be in play. We want good academic institutions. We want institutions that have great competitive success, institutions that fit uh, our culture and so if we ever look at it again, we're, we're positioned well, but that's not something that's top of mind for us right now. Do you think the future of the Big Ten will include divisions? I don't know. We, we just we started that discussion, and, and I really feel you know we're in good place with having those discussions. Just, we don't have to make that fast, so we need to be really diligent about that. And so I'm just not sure at this point in time. Obviously, for scheduling, I know that Ohio State wants to continue to schedule those marquee non-conference games like you have for so many years. But when you think about a conference games, do you feel like the nine-game schedule the Big Ten has is working, or do you think there might need to be tweaks for that in the future as well? Yeah, I, I, I lean into the nine games, and, and many of our colleagues in the conference support the nine games. So I don't anticipate that changing. You know, we'll we'll consider the eight, we'll consider the ten as we discuss further. But I, I think nine is kind of our sweet spot. It's worked for us. Um, it's worked for the individual institutions. It works for our scheduling model. So I don't see that part changing. But we certainly will discuss it uh, along with the divisions and other issues. Obviously, you've been involved in college football playoff expansion talks as well. I know Kevin Warren said on Tuesday that he's 100% in support of that, but do you think this continued conference realignment will have any impact on how the CFP expands? Um, I don't think so. I, I think the, the the need for expansion is there. We need to provide more more access. I think we will go to twelve or something beyond that, maybe sixteen. That's been talked about in some circles. But you know, I I, I really feel that the, the the playoff, regardless of alignment, will will need to do what's best for the playoff to stay with the criteria that was actually laid out before. We want to provide access, give more teams the opportunity to. To participate and, and make sure that it's a quality experience for the student athletes and I think that can be done but I think the expansion and realignment probably won't have significant impact as we move forward it will almost whoever realigns obviously because they'll be coming into a league or, or changing leagues but yeah that but, but from a playoff perspective, I don't see a big, big change there. Do you have an opinion on whether 12 or 16 would be a better playoff? No, I don't. You know, we haven't gotten into that, Dan. I can't even remember where the 16 emerged from, but the reality is the 12 model has always been something since it's been introduced that and all felt like is, is advantageous. So we we haven't discussed it in great detail as a league, and so we'll do that and include our, our partners from USC and UCLA. Obviously, another big topic in college sports right now is NIL. I know that you were a part of the committee that put together some of the guidance the NCAA sent out this summer. How do you feel about the current state of things? Do you feel like those those guidelines are working? 
you know, I, I feel good about NI in a, in a number of ways. It's, it's working exceptionally well for many of our athletes and athletes across the country. Where we have a challenge and, and need to come up with a methodology to deal with it is in the inducement space. And I know the enforcement staff is, is out learning what they can learn and, and looking at, you know, how that can be. But that's happening. And, and so how do we how do we deal with that? And so, but, but it's largely working. And, and of course, you don't hear about those. You, you hear about, you know, all the challenges that exist. But you think about the Olympic sports student athletes who are on partial scholarships. And, and if you're watching some of our, our football players and basketball players, some of them are doing exceptionally well in that space. And, and then there's some kids who don't have an interest in, in the NIL for their own personal reasons. And so it's working well in, in a lot of ways, but we do have some things we need to to try and, and deal with and hopefully we can get some federal legislation to, to help with that and the NCAA enforcement staff will come up with some strategies to deal with the inducement space. Do you feel like Ohio State is doing what it needs to do right now to stay competitive with other schools in the NIL space? Yeah, I think so. I think there's some things we continue to talk about and, and things we can continue to study and learn from other places. But I think we, we're positioned well. We're doing well right now. But, you know, the, what's ahead of us, we, 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 we don't know. And so we have to always continue to, to be curious and, and listen to the student-athletes and, and listen to our partners and, and try and come up with strategies for our student-athletes down the road. But we'll, we'll, keep our, we'll keep our things in front of us. But we're I think right now we're doing okay. You've talked about the possibility that maybe college football could split off from the NCAA and do its own thing at some point. Have you seen that proposal gain any steam here recently? Well, it, it had the effect that I, I thought it would have when I just threw that out there for my meetings in Arizona. And that was really my intent was to just get people talking. And so you have people talking about that model, people talking about a model underneath the NCAA umbrella, which is also doable, very doable. But my main goal was to, to get people talking about it. We need a new governance structure. We need to treat football differently. We need to recognize that. We already do that with basketball in some form or fashion, but we need to do it with football. And so there's there's traction on the conversation and, and how it should look. And I'm not a big proponent that it has to be under the CFP. I just think that that's a, one model that makes sense to me, but there's a, there's other models. And, and so I I like the fact that here our commissioners are here, colleagues saying, okay, what should we do? What should it look like? And that's that wasn't happening before. We're about one week away from the start of preseason camp for Ohio State football. Just how much time have you been able to spend around Ryan Day and the Buckeyes this offseason? And just what are you seeing from those guys? Yeah, you know, it's the coaching staff is taking their vacation in July, as I did. So the last couple of weeks, I, I haven't seen them as much. And part of that, it's really a lot of excitement with the staff. And, and, um, and actually, the last couple of weeks, I haven't seen the players much. But they're, you know, they're, they're excited about the season. And I know they are. They've worked really hard in, in the off season, throughout spring and in the summer. And they're, they're, they're ready to, to get after it. So just just can't wait myself as like all other fans. Ohio State usually plays seven home games a year. This year, Ohio State's going to play eight home football games. How exciting is that to have the opportunity to get to welcome fans to the shoe one extra time? Oh, it's really cool. Really cool, Dad. You know, we... 
you know, we, we look at the schedule and this is really a beautiful year for us with eight home games and particularly some marquee matchups. And uh, now that there's a price for that because in, in 23, we have six home games. And, and so we, we, we know that that's ahead of us. But this year is could be a special year. You know, five of those games are at home right off the bat, which is really beautiful for our fans. And we're able to incorporate our, our homecoming and a lot of recognitions around there with the 2002 team and the championship team in the Notre Dame game and you know, our faculty staff, our alumni band and our, our scholar grade with our student athletes. There's just so many things we could do with, with eight home games. So we're excited about it and hopefully uh, you know, we're blessed with good weather for eight Saturdays and we'll be good. Being a Notre Dame grad, does it make that season opener even more special for you? Yeah, it does, you know, and I've had the opportunity, obviously, here, you know, playing Notre Dame in bowl games. You know, my first year as an athletic director, we played Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and, and beat them. And really, Jim Trestle did a marvelous job with that team. So we, we need to continue that. And, you know, but yeah, it would be special because it is my alma mater. Right I learned a lot at Notre Dame and blessed to have had the opportunity to be there. It's a great institution. And I remember my teammates will be at the game and I'm sure I'll, I'll bump into them here and there. So it'll be a little, little, little experience for me, but we, we got to win that ball game. Both Ryan Day and Chris Holtman received contract extensions from Ohio State this summer. What, in your mind, made it the right time for both of those guys to get new contracts? I've always felt that, you know, we needed to compensate our our coaches, and particularly football and basketball, at, at the top of the conference and, and consistent with our expectations. And and, and I, I really felt that both of them earned that opportunity. I'm a big believer in stability. If we're able to maintain some stability over time, you, you have good coaches have a great opportunity to truly build the culture the right way. And, and, uh, and it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. This is a different world. And, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the ecosystem that we served, the recruiting and, you know, the transfer portal or NIL that we talked about and all those type of things. So stability is critical, particularly in the time of change. So I wanted to make sure that we had two good coaches who are going to be with us for a while and, and compensate them, compensate them consistent with the market and expectations, I think, is always the right thing to do. It's been five years now since you hired Chris Holtman. Just when you look at what he's done at Ohio State so far, how, how do you evaluate his tenure so far? Outstanding. You know, when you look at, you know, the culture that we have and the student athletes that we recruit and, you know, we got the number one class in the, in the Big Ten this year, top five nationally, and I think it was rated number three. And then you meet the young men uh, like I have this summer and watch them work out. I mean, they're exceptionally talented. And, and so the, the future's bright and you have good leadership returning from last year and this is this team has a chance to be special in, for the long run and, and Chris and I have talked about that and hopefully we have young men who will be with us for a while and so he's done a great job I'm really really happy for him and, you know he had a outstanding assistant coach in Ryan Peaton get a, a head job at, at Illinois State that, that speaks volumes to the respect uh, that, that, that coach 
team culture has with, with Chris. So he's doing a great job, and, and I'm excited about that season as well. You mentioned that you know they have a lot of talent coming in, but a lot of it's young talent, a lot of it's new talent. How do you kind of balance that with you know bringing in a new team, you know maybe having to rebuild a little bit with some young players, but also having those expectations of wanting to take the next step, wanting to go further in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you, you just have to really pay attention to, to everything around the program. You know, basketball is, you know, really fragile. You know, injuries and, you know, if, if certain players didn't get hurt at the end of the, the year last year, it would have been a bit different story for us. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing Justin Sewing hopefully have a, a full season after he's, he's recovered from all from his challenges and, and his leadership and, and just his savviness on the floor with these young puppies that we have coming in and so they're talented I've seen them work out and I, I know how good these young young guys are but but you need to try and hold on to them you need to play them and Chris and I've talked about that a little bit is we will always have student athletes who come in from the transfer portal but when you have a class like he's got you, you just got to play them and, and take the bruises that you'll take because they're young and inexperienced but you, you're building for the future and, and that's what it's all about across all Ohio State sports perhaps the biggest accomplishment of his past year was the women's hockey team winning its first ever national championship how proud are you just to see the way that program has rebuilt itself over the last five years well, you know, Nadine did a great job. You know, she she came here, took a risk because we, we had a lot of turmoil in that program prior to her arrival. And she came in and, and created a culture, set the tone, cleaned it up, uh, recruited exceptionally well. Very good teacher with her and her assistant coaches and ended up, you know, she, she shared uh, the year before that she was going to win the championship and she did it. And I'm really proud of her. And on that program, that's got a, it's really, really strong moving into the future. And so they've done a great job. And, and many of our sports had a great season, and, and you know we were in, we were fourth in the Directors Cup, ten points out of out of third, and and uh, it was a good year when you look at all of our sport programs. I'm really proud of them, and we had you know, going just before graduation, we had 94 percent of our student athletes already had jobs or were going to grad school or had or signing professionally, and we ended up having uh, north of 96 percent in the end. So it was it was a good year. Overall, so really excited about the job Nadine did with women's ice hockey, but but also many of our sports. When we had Nadine on the podcast earlier this year, she said you have told her you want to get a new women's hockey facility built before you leave Ohio State. What's your vision for that? Yeah, we're doing a study now of the current ice rink, and we're looking at, which is, we're kind of dusting off a study that we had before, and we're looking at that and trying to figure out how we might modify that to, to turn it into a more of a, 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 a ice rink that serves our student-athletes better and, and has better fan amenities. So we're getting close. Hopefully, within the next couple of years, we'll get that done. Ohio State Athletics had a substantial financial deficit a couple years ago because of the COVID-19 pandemic. How much of that has Ohio State been able to make up since then? 
done well with it. And, you know, we, we anticipated we'd be, a, when this all started, north of $100 billion. We ended up at $41 million. Now we got it down to 26 So we're just moving slowly and working with the university CFO. Mike Papadakis has been a, a great colleague. And, and my financial guy, CFO, uh, Joe Odegaard, he's doing a great job. So this year will be critical. We'll, we'll see how this year ends up. I can't compliment all of our unit managers and coaches because there were significant efficiencies that we put in place relative to expenditures and, and they did a great job so we're moving along and just uh, slowly slowly chunking away at it things have gotten more back to normal obviously but you know obviously covid's still out there i know the city of columbus i think just this past week you know passed a recommendation for people to wear you know masks in crowded spaces and for you guys as an athletic department how much do you still have to prepare for that threat of covid when you're planning for the year ahead well, we, we haven't begun that yet. I'm, I'm sure as, as the everyone gets back from vacation and we, we begin to, to think about the, the start of schools, that that conversation will occur. We will always you know, share with people that their right is to, to wear a mask if they feel uncomfortable, and they should. That's up to them. So we'll just have to wait and, and see how it rolls. Hopefully, people embrace being vaccinated because it ultimately can protect you, particularly if you have pre-existing conditions. So we'll continue to promote those things and and, uh, and as things evolve we'll, we'll adjust I know it's probably not your favorite question to get, but people always ask me, they say, how much longer is Gene going to be at Ohio State? <laughs> have, have you given any thought to that, or are you still taking things year to year? I'm still year to year, Dan. I mean, I'm having fun. You know, good Lord's blessed me with good health so far, and my president uh, wants me, and I love what I'm doing. I'm passionate about it. You know, I, I have this desire to be a part of the change that is occurring nationally. I, I want contribute to that using my blessing of years of experience and and you know I want to be here for my coaches I got great coaches and, and I, I want to help them along the way so you know I I don't know I just go year to year and see how it goes you, you mentioned President Johnson I know she just recently joined you know one of the CFP leadership groups just how much has she been an asset to Ohio State Athletics since she arrived at Ohio State well, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. She gets it. You know, she's because of her background as, as a former student athlete and, and the benefits that she derives from the experience. She gets it. So she appreciates it. And so that that makes it a lot easier to have conversations. And she's a hard charger. She's a go-getter, very creative. And so that, that also aligns with how I am and how we are in our space. We, we love we love to go. And she's not, she's, she's not risk-averse. She's willing to try some things. And in this day and age, with all the things we're dealing with, we, we have to do some things that we haven't done before. And so she's willing to try those things. And I just love working with her. And, you know, it's, it's great to have have her have that athletic background and be willing to participate on so many athletic leadership positions uh, like the CFP management group. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be others that come at her because of her background and skill set. But having her in that role is, is significant for the Big Ten and, and for Ohio State. When you just look at the state of Ohio State athletics overall right now going into 2020, 
22-23. Just what are your overall thoughts on how Ohio State is positioned right now? We're positioned well. I'm excited. You know, it's, you know everything evolves around football, as, as we all know. And, and Ryan and his staff have done a great job. And all the support staff around football to continue to work excellently. And, you know, so we have a unique opportunity ahead of us. And, and hopefully we can take advantage of it. But and all the other sports are doing well. And, and many... You know, many of our, our coaches have uh, great years of experience and stability in, our, in those programs, and, and I see some great things happening with those programs, and so just just really in a good position right now. So hopefully we can continue to, to have success in the classroom and on the field and, and make all of Buckeye Nation proud. Well, I think that answers my questions for you. Is there anything else that you want Ohio State fans to know right now? Yeah, I just want to thank them. I just want to thank all of our fans for their great support and, and ask them to, to can you continue to, to support our student-athletes and be patient as, as we go through all these changes. That some of them that you know we just have to accept and deal with and, and adjust and appreciate their support and wish all of our Buckeye fans the very best. And, and thank you, Dan, for, for your time and everything you do. Yeah, thank you so much, Gene, for your time. I really do appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Lots of good insight there from Gene Smith. And now for some more great insight, we're going to bring in Griffin Strom, our usual co-host of Real Pod Wednesdays. And Griffin, is we've had a little time now to absorb everything we heard over the last two days. Like, What's the one biggest thing that you would say resonated with you over the past two days? Well, you know, Dan, if you were asking me what the most interesting thing was, you know, you, you have you can't start anywhere other than a Jim Harbaugh press conference, which always, you know, seems to bring out the the strange and interesting. And there certainly were some of those moments. We may get into some of that a little later on. But if you want to talk about, you know, a, a guy that's a, a big time decision maker for the Big Ten, you talk about Kevin Warren, kind of the the juxtaposition of the last two years of his kind of you know press conferences at the Big Ten Media Days events, him saying that he wants the Big Ten to remain ahead of the curve and stay very aggressive in terms of these expansion moves and, you know, being being ahead of the curve with all the changes being made in the college sports landscape. It was obviously this is a very different thing, a very different issue. But if you remember, you know, a year ago, kind of playing things safe with the COVID, the way the Big Ten wanted to handle COVID, which, you know, may or may not have been the right decision at that time, but kind of interesting juxtaposition to hear Kevin Warren whose approval, rater, approval rating is a lot higher now, I think we could all kind of universally say, with some of the moves he's been making. That kind of stood out to me, him wanting to stay aggressive in that market. Yeah, it feels like Kevin Warren got some good PR training over last year because it kind of felt like last year, like it felt like he was still kind of figuring the whole thing out. And, you know, it, it felt like it all, he almost felt unprepared last year. Like you had to know that you were going to get all these questions about COVID and it didn't seem like he had any good answers for him at least it kind of answers but we're going to satisfy fans and satisfy the people who had literally been waiting a year to ask him those questions and so you know i kind of felt last year it just it just didn't feel like he rose to the moment you know it's easier to rise to the moment though when you've just had a big win and that he certainly did with getting usc and ucla into the big 10 and so you know, he has reason to be confident now. Like, I'm, I'm sure a year ago, he probably still felt like he was on shaky ground with the way everything had happened with COVID and the fact that, you know, a lot of people didn't like him. I mean, I mean, Gene Smith even admitted earlier this year that there was a time that 
he thought about leaving the Big Ten over all of that. And so Kevin Warren kind of had to make amends with a lot of people. He had to prove to people that he was cut out for the job. And I think that's exactly what he did this summer with going out and bringing USC, bringing UCLA into the Big Ten, truly solidifying the Big Ten's place as one of the two power conferences in college sports along with the SEC. And it certainly sounds like the Big Ten's not done, just based on what we heard from Kevin Warren on Tuesday. I know, you know, Gene said that that's not what his focus is on right now, that, you know, he thinks the Big Ten is, you know, very strong with the 14 teams it currently has and will get even stronger with adding USC and UCLA. Kevin Warren expressed similar sentiments and he said, we're not going to expand just to expand. We're going to be strategic. We're going to do it for the right reasons at the right time. But there's already a lot of rumors coming out of Big Ten media days about teams that could potentially join the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, the team that everybody's wondering about right now is Notre Dame. I mean, it's it's the obvious target for the Big Ten. If if you can get a team that's you know probably a top five program, you know, historically in college football, still probably at least a top ten program in in the country, if you can bring that team into a conference that's already based into the Midwest, Notre Dame, I think, is the obvious answer. Kevin Warren was asked about Notre Dame. He he didn't want to answer it directly, which is a smart move. You're not going to throw out names there that, you know, you haven't actually, you know, come to any kind of agreement with. But, you know, lots of other names being thrown around, too. I mean, I saw multiple reports over the last couple of days that said Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington could all be candidates. That would make sense. They've already started poaching from the Pac-12. Uh, you know, if they can get those four teams— and that's going to effectively kill the Pac-12 and could basically make the Big Ten the conference of the West Coast in addition to the Midwest and really give the Big Ten two strong bases, which could also then allow them to basically have a Western pod of teams, you know, six teams on that West Coast with the rest of the conference being out in the Northeast and in the Midwest. Miami and Florida State were two other teams I saw in a report, but I believe it was by Brett McMurphy. He said those were two other teams that the Big Ten could be targeting as well. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, I certainly don't think expansion is done. You know, I, I tend to be of a belief that I think this is ultimately going to end up with probably a 20-team Big Ten, and the SEC will probably end up becoming a 20-team conference too. And it's just a matter of which teams get those spots and how it all shuffles out. But I think both those conferences are going to continue to expand. And unless you know the ACC or the Big 12 can really figure something out, most likely they're going to leave everybody else behind. But it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I, I, I have a feeling that when we get to... Big Ten Media Days at this time next year, this is probably still going to be a hot topic. Yeah, and you know, the, the whole conversation and kind of discourse about the Big Ten's recent expansion, you know, move to bring in USC and UCLA, obviously, you know, there has been some some pushback from members of the media. Obviously, it's not a very popular move with the Pac-12, of course, but, you know, it was interesting hearing a lot of the head coaches' reactions you know, it seemed ever, overwhelmingly positive reaction to everything. You know, I, I don't not that I thought that any head coach in the Big Ten was going to come out and and say, "Oh, you're you're ruining the the traditions of college football by doing this." Obviously, 
you know, the, these programs stand to benefit quite a bit from the, the financial profit that, w- that would take place with the new media rights negotiations and everything like that, which is going to be another huge win for Kevin Warren here whenever the, you know, some details about that new deal come to light. But yeah, a lot of like, like Greg Schiano, I thought was, was very, he was saying he was blessed to be a member of the Big Ten. And, and he, he even called it the Big Ten, you know, the best football conference in the country, you know, kind of taking a, a subtle shot at the SEC there. So, you know, the, everyone seems to be very on board with, with those moves, even if there's a lot of other things in college athletics and specifically college football right now that some coaches are, are a bit uneasy with, which is another big-time topic we heard about the last couple of Greg days. Greg Schiano said it is not the time to talk about Tennessee. That's kind of been a running joke on the Ohio State beat because people would ask him about it back when he was at Ohio State about that whole Tennessee coaching search fiasco, and he didn't want to talk about it. So Tim May decided to ask Greg Schiano on Wednesday, if, if now is the time to talk about Tennessee, he said it was not. But yeah, certainly, if any coaches have reservations about USC and UCLA joining the conference, they're certainly not showing it. Also, kind of a fun anecdote from Ryan Day that he was actually playing in Chip Kelly's golf tournament during the day that the expansion was announced. And so he said him and Chip Kelly were actually on the 16th hole and Ryan checked his phone and, and told Chip, we're going to be in the same conference now because they found out that UCLA was going to be joining the Big Ten. So kind of fun there, Ryan Day and, and Chip Kelly, longtime friends. And, you know, we'll see if Chip Kelly is, is still there in a couple of years. They could be seeing each other a lot more regularly as opponents on the football field. Yeah, and, and Dan, let's, let's uh, you know, get into some Ohio State stuff in particular because I think we kind of talked about going into this that there weren't a whole lot of kind of huge and breaking news things or storylines that we needed to kind of parse out. It had been a relatively quiet offseason since we last talked to Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. So one of the storylines, though, that did come out was, and I think you might have been the, may have been the first one to, to note this in the past, was that Parker Lewis, upon the USC transfer kicker, of course, with Ohio State having several kickers now on the roster, you know, the, the Ohio State updated its roster and everything recently, but Parker Lewis was was not one of the updates on that roster. We expected to see him, but, but Ryan Day confirmed, you asked him today, Dan, you know, what was the situation with that? And Ryan Day basically said it's another eligibility issue where, you know, they, they don't have it resolved yet. The shades of last year with, with Pallier Nayoteote in that situation where it was up in the air, you know, even by the time the season started. So we'll see if we get an answer on that quicker than what happened last year. Ryan Day said it should be resolved in about a week, but that he would not know for sure. Yeah, I think I've written by far the most about Parker Lewis of anyone <laughs> on this beat, which I, I do have a soft spot for specialists. So that's probably why. But yeah, as, as you you know, as you mentioned. Parker Lewis. They're hoping that a resolution will come soon, but they said the same thing at this time last year about Pali and Ateote, and that didn't come to fruition. So uh, I'm not really sure what's going on there, why these guys transferring from USC to Ohio State never seem to be eligible. But, you know, that, that's that been the case here now for, you know, you know two years in a row where a player has made the decision to transfer from USC to Ohio State and has then had some academic things to get resolved. And, you know, certainly in Parker Lewis's case, you know, I, I would think that, you know, it's going to be need to res- be resolved very soon for him if he's going to have a chance of, you know, really playing a significant role this year. Because, you know, obviously Noah Ruggles is back as uh, the starting kicker for the Buckeyes. And, he, you know, you he would expect him to be that regardless of what happens with Parker Lewis's eligibility situation. But, you know, Parker Lewis, a guy coming in who could perhaps, 
you know, be a longer leg for kickoffs or maybe even kick some long field goals. You know, certainly, you know, if, if he's going to have a chance to compete for those roles, you know, they're going to want to get him into camp and, and see what he can do, you know, rather than, you know, looking at a change in the middle of a season. Some other kind of housekeeping notes, because, you know, one thing I did know was, you know, there's always injury questions flying around with, with several guys who may have been nursing some issues, you know, there at the end of spring or even in the spring game. But Ryan Day basic, basically said that everyone's pretty much healthy other than, you know, Mitchell Melton, we found out recently. Obviously, he left the spring game. He has a long-term injury deal there, unfortunately for him. But he said basically, you know, he, he mentioned by name Josh Proctor, Josh Fryer are both going to be healthy going into preseason camp here. He did say Lathan Ransom, who obviously suffered a leg fracture in the Rose Bowl, you know, very, very late in the game for him. He said that he's going to be kind of eased into things, but is basically expected to be 100% by week one eventually. He, he mentioned Tyler Friday a, a couple times, actually, I thought Dan was kind of notable, that he was saying, listen, you know, Tyler Friday could play a lot of football for Ohio State this year as a guy that is probably forgotten by, by quite a few people given the talent on Ohio State's defensive line right now. Pr- pretty much Ryan Day only said that that, uh, yeah, like I said, the Mitchell Melton is going to be out. So that's pretty much good news there. Court Williams is another guy who, you know, we were kind of wondering about because he didn't play in that spring game. I don't think he mentioned Court Williams by name unless I just didn't hear that. But, you know, I, I would assume that he would be lumped into that group as well of guys that are going to be healthy here going into preseason camp. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to be healthy. I mean, we'll, we'll see in a week when we actually go to camp and, and see if, you know, there's always guys out there who aren't practicing for whatever reason that, we didn't know about having some kind of injury before. So, you know, we'll get a better idea of it for sure in a week, but it certainly sounds like the team should be mostly healthy going into camp. You know, there's a long way to go between now and the start of the season, but going into camp seems like they're in good shape in that regard. Yeah, and one of the kind of the most ear-grabbing quotes of the day from Ryan Day during his actual podium, you know, on-stage press conference at the Lucas Oil Stadium was, he was asked about what are the expectations for the defense this year under first-year defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, which I believe is a question he's been asked multiple times before, but he's never answered it this directly, Dan, which is why it kind of stood out. He said, listen, the expectation is we expect to have a top 10 defense. That's what we want. And, you know, that's, that's, that is a lofty goal considering how State the past couple of seasons in terms of total defense has been at, right at number 59 in the country, I believe, because I checked earlier on that in, in some of those categories in terms of passing or rushing, ranking well below that number as well. So a top 10 defense overall. Just a couple of seasons ago, though, Dan, 2019, Ohio State, I, be, I believe, had the number one over a, or total defense in the country by the end of the season. So Ryan Day obviously would like to get back to that kind of balance. But what did you make of that comment? And, you know, is that a real a realistic expectation for the Buckeyes, do you think, in Jim Knowles' first season? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting comment because I don't think you'd say that if you didn't believe it. Because otherwise you're just setting yourself up for failure. So for him to come out and say that, you know, tells me that his confidence in this defense is very real because you know he wasn't saying that last year. He wasn't saying last year we expect to have a top ten defense. Like you said, he wasn't even saying that in the spring. So the fact that he's saying that, and then you know you hear Ronnie, you know Ronnie Hickman saying we want to have a top five defense. C.J. Stroud saying I'm going to challenge those guys to have a top three defense. So you know I'm sure somebody now will have to say if they're going to have a top two defense, and somebody's <laughs> going to have to say they're going to have the best defense in the country because you know, we just got to go bigger and bigger. And you know. For me, from an objective observer standpoint, I'm kind of like, mm, let's pump the brakes on this a little bit. Like like you said, they were 59th in the country the last two years. So to go from that to being top 10 in the country, 
that's a big jump. But like you said, they did do it in 2019. I think Dave Biddle asked Ryan Day about that on Wednesday, and I thought that was a good question because I think there are a lot of similarities there. You know, with Jim Knowles coming in, installing a new scheme, much like Jeff Halfley did for years ago. And I think one thing we heard a lot from Ryan Day on Wednesday, which tells me it's something, again, that I think he really believes, is he brought up a lot the fact that we were really young last year and we've got a lot of experience returning this year. And it just seems like Ryan Day feels like you know, this, this team, the experience that it gained specifically on defense last season is going to be really valuable going into this year. And so, you know, we got to see it on the field. You know, I, you know, I've, I, I think I've been asked a hundred times now this off season, you know, about, you know, how good the defense going to be. What are they going to look like week one? And the reality is we got to see it. Like we're going to keep talking about this for the next four weeks. We aren't really going to know how good this defense can be. I mean, we're not going to know in one game either, but we're going to have more of a real idea. When we see them go up against a quality opponent in Notre Dame and see how they perform in that game, then we'll have a better idea of what this defense really is. But just the fact that Ryan Day is that confident to, to outright say we expect a top 10 defense tells me that he likes what he's seeing. Yeah, another another quote from Ryan Day on the day was, maybe it's some places 11-2 with a Rose Bowl victory is a good year. It isn't at Ohio State. And that's you know, one of those quotes that's that's sure to, to please fans that might not have been, you know, too happy with the, the end result of last season, obviously losing to Michigan and not making the college football playoff. But yeah, like you said, I mean, with the experience that Ohio State's returning, I was, I was thinking about it earlier, and Ohio State really only loses three regular starters from last year's defense. And if you're, that's if you're counting Bryson Shaw, who, you know, wasn't meant to be a regular starter for Ohio State coming into the season. Obviously, injuries played a role there. A guy like Ty- Tyreek Smith, you can almost you know overlook that too because of the, the 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 talent at defensive end that Ohio State still has this year. Ryan Day basically saying the entire Rose Bowl team that Ohio State had last year is returning in 2022, and that's why I think so so many people are high on Ohio State to to, to best the results that they got from last season with those two regular season losses that that really sunk their sails there in terms of their postseason hopes. Yeah, that quote is a little extreme, like. But it's not wrong. I mean, yeah, for most schools, 11-2 and of a Rose Bowl victory is a great year. At Ohio State, it leads to Ryan Day firing half of his staff. So <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, there's only a few schools that applies to. We're talking Ohio State and, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma. We're talking schools like that. Like, for most schools, 11-2 and and winning one of the biggest bowl games of the year is a fantastic year. But at Ohio State the expectations are are always higher. I mean, I know that for our listeners out there, they expect more than that. And, you know, Ryan Day did not shy away from that on Wednesday. He said multiple times, he said our goals are beat the team up north, win the Big Ten, and win the national championship. And Ohio State went 0 for 3 on those goals last year. And so, you know, he's not running from it. His goal is to go free for free. His goal is to win every single game this year and win the national championship much easier said than done and it's much easier to say that in July before you've actually played any games but at the same time like it's it's the truth that that is going to be the expectation for this team when you talk about all the talent they return on defense but more importantly 
all the talent they return on offense. And, of course, Ohio State's two biggest stars on offense, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, were also in Indianapolis on Wednesday. And, you know, again, we talk about confidence. C.J. Stroud sure seemed confident on Wednesday. And, and you know, maybe even more specifically even confident. Like, he just feels comfortable in his own skin. Like, he, he just seems to really be embracing the spot spotlight and seems more relaxed in those settings you know he was making jokes today you know he was kind of having some fun i think even with our own garrick hodge he was kind of going back and forth with him garrick was trying to get him <laughs> to tell tell him what school he'd like to see join the big 10 and and cj was asking him what school do you think should join the big 10 so cj cj was having some fun up there at the podium today i'm not sure about what he said that a team of football players would beat the Ohio State basketball team on the basketball court, but it was fun. Well, then we have thrown our shots at our what we think might happen to the Ohio State basketball team this year, but I don't think either of us would go quite that far in predicting the the football Buckeyes to beat the, the basketball players on the court. But did I not say, going into this, by the way, that C.J. Stroud is great on the microphone and really a, a joy to listen to because he is you know, so comfortable and everything like that. It was interesting to hear, you know, Ryan Day touting C.J. Stroud's leadership ability. C.J. Stroud, there, there was talk that, you know, he, he invites the defensive players over to his house and cooks for those guys and everything like that, which is cool. C.J. Stroud was asked about his leadership style as well. And he said, you know, he, he does it all as a leader. And, you know, he says he's a vocal leader and sometimes he thinks he's too vocal as, as a leader even, which is kind of funny. You can kind of get that, get that vibe from him and you see him kind of joking with some of the guys and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, a CJ Stroud's team for sure. Last season, you know, it took a little while. Obviously, there was the the weirdness kind of the, at the beginning of the season with, with the the early loss to Oregon, kind of having to shake some things out. But at this point, I think the the expectations are sky high. Yeah, and I think you guys caught some of the the funnier interactions with with CJ Stroud in the, at the back half of his media day thing. If you have any of those to impart on us, Dan, because I left about halfway into his session there. Yeah, well, it, was, it was kind of a lens, too, I think, into the friendship of C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba because both of them talked a lot about how this offseason, I mean, they, they traveled everywhere together. You know, Jackson went back to L.A. with C.J. C.J. went to Dallas with Jackson. They went to the NFL Draft together. I think they went to see Jackson's brother play in his MLB debut together. So we kind of got a lens into their, their friendship off the field. We know how great of a connection they are on the field, but... You know, you can kind of see the joking with each other. You know, CJ was, was telling us, he said, he said, keep this a secret during an interview that he, of course, knew was being recorded, that he beat Jackson recently nine times in a row in horse. <laughs> CJ, CJ is the self-appointed best shooter on the Ohio State football team in terms of basketball ability, and he said Jackson can't shoot. Meanwhile, I, I believe Jackson was making fun of CJ's cooking. I believe he was saying it, his mac and cheese was not, not as good as CJ might think it is. So it was kind of fun to see that back-and-forth dialogue between those two. Actually, he said the mac and cheese was pretty good, but that everything else was, was just okay, if not mediocre. But yeah, Our guy Garrick likes mac and cheese, so he's going to have to be the judge of that. I think we're gonna have to get CJ to make some mac and cheese for Garrick, and Garrick can give it a grade. Oh, that would be that would be absolutely fantastic content on Eleven Warriors. Of uh, you know, Garrick Hodge, he's never met a mac a plate of mac and cheese he does not like, and I think CJ Stroud could have a, quite the recipe for him. 
Yeah, we're 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 gonna have to we're gonna have to suggest that to CJ. We're gonna have to put that to the test. I think some media members were trying to get themselves invited to CJ's dinners. He he also he also asked if anyone could teach him how to golf, but. I can tell you, CJ, that I'm not the person who you want to teach you how to golf. Because while I do love golf, I'm not very good at it. Maybe you and 11 Warriors own Matt Goodrich could take him out to, to Buckeye oh, Lake. Oh, Matt, I, I know our guy Matt would be happy to show CJ the ropes on the golf course. And, and Matt Matt is a very good golfer, so Matt would be a, Matt would be a good teacher for CJ, I'm sure of that. Dan, anything else of particular note from C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, or Ronnie Hickman in terms of what you asked them or heard in their you know, breakout interview sessions during Wednesday's Big Ten Media Day session? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned C.J. being a leader, and you, you heard a lot of that today about Jackson and Ronnie as well. You know, I think Ryan Day, you know, made the point about Jackson that you know he he's a quiet leader, but when he speaks. Everybody listens. I mean, we, we've heard that about guys before, but you, you kind of get that impression from Jackson. You know, he's not the loudest guy. He's not a guy who's necessarily going to raise his voice all the time, but he is somebody who's commanded the respect of everybody on the team. And so they're going to listen to what he has to say. And I think Ryan Day and Mickey Mirati and everyone else on the staff wants to hear him speak up even more this year now that he really is, you know, moving into that upperclassman status on the team and you know Ronnie Hickman's a guy you know you kind of think of his journey it's been interesting you know he tore his ACL and missed a year at the start of his career you know he's had a different position coach basically every year since he's been at Ohio State and you know you know a couple years ago like I mean even last year I mean I remember at this time last year I remember people were questioning me when I when I said I thought Ronnie Hickman was going to start over Craig Young at at the bullet position because Ronnie was kind of like the forgotten guy. Like everybody was hyping up Craig Young and nobody was really talking about Ronnie or, or Ronnie did say today he prefers to be called Rocket. I typically go with what this says on the roster, which the roster says Ronnie, but he did say he prefers to be called Rocket. So I think he did say, he said he's fine with either one. So before people get mad when I call him Ronnie next time, uh, he did say he's fine with five or one, but you know, he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, it just seems like, you know, he, he's really adapting well to the new defensive scheme and is a guy who started to, you know, step up as a leader on that defense. And, you know, we, we've, we've heard a lot about, you know, how he's going to move to that adjuster role this year. You know, I think he's a guy who they're really going to be, they're really going to be counting on to play a big role back there in that secondary along with, you know, the likes of Josh Proctor, as we learned his nickname was today, Tanner McAllister, they call him T-Mac. You know, those three guys in particular probably going to play major roles at safety. And, you know, I know Ronnie was given, you know, Cam Martinez some love today as well. You mentioned before, Leif and Ransom, Court Williams expected to be back. So a lot of depth there at that safety position. I, I think that's a position that really could be a strength for Ohio State if it all comes together. Well, Dan, another you know main storyline from the, the two days here with, with Michigan being available on Tuesday and then Ohio State on Wednesday. At an event like this, you just know there's going to be a million Ohio State-Michigan questions, especially when the rivalry has kind of been renewed to an extent here, obviously with, with Michigan getting that first win in a decade back in November at the Big House. You know, I, th- I think you know some of those those questions were, were more interesting than years past because of the recent Michigan win. The the fact that you know the, the rivalry has been flipped on its head a little bit here. Obviously, on Tuesday, you know we got some some pretty interesting quotes from some Michigan guys. You know, with Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara. You know, and, and of course these guys are kind of getting baited into these things, of course, and and they're not saying anything all that inflammatory. 
But, you know, some of these quotes were, were sure to fire up the fan bases here, which I think we, we both predicted that also on our preview show going into this event. But Cade McNamara saying basically that, that he was surprised basically how lopsided the game was and saying that the, the gap was, you know, pretty big in that game and he was surprised how out of hand the game actually got. I've seen a lot of people, because I, I tweeted that quote and everything, a lot of Buckeye fans quote tweeting, you know, sending me replies and everything like that, saying, just wait until this season, everything like that. Dan, uh, what else did you hear? I know you were listening to Eric All, the, the tight end for Michigan, talk a little bit about that as well, and him also being a, a Cincinnati native, I believe. Yeah, he gave a pretty, pretty blunt answer when he was asked if he was surprised by how dominant Michigan was in that game last year, and he said he wasn't. And he was asked why, and he said, I watched a lot of film. <laughs> so, you know, I think they, they kind of saw it coming. They saw that Ohio State was a team that, you know, they, they could run the ball on, and if they could, you know, kind of, you know, punch them in the mouth, that they were going to be able to out-tough Ohio State in that game. And so, you know, I, I think a very different vibe talking to the Michigan players this year because, you know, every other year since I've been on this beat, it's been the same questions every year. You know, is this finally going to be the year you're going to beat Ohio State? Are you guys emphasizing it more than you have in the past? It's the same questions every year. And those guys, of course, got sick of answering those questions. Now they finally get to talk about actually beating Ohio State and having some momentum off of that. And so I I think you can certainly see, you know, more confidence than ever from Michigan players, Jim Harbaugh, as well, I don't know. I don't know if it, 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 it. We haven't gone through all the audio yet, and maybe stories. I, I don't really know if the Ohio State guys said anything that really riled up Michigan fans. I don't. I don't really. I didn't really hear anything. I, I haven't really seen anything yet of anything that an Ohio Ryan Day or any Ohio State players said that would get Michigan fans going. I think they were all pretty careful and answered those questions pretty smartly when they were asked them. But, you know, certainly, like said, you know, there some Michigan comments that got people talking. Also kind of a, a fun exchange with Jim Harbaugh at the very end of his podium session. Doug Lee Maurice from Cleveland.com asked him about third base comment that he made in the last year, which along the lines of some people are standing on third base and think they hit a triple while he didn't. And Doug asked him if that comment was related to Ryan Day. And Harbaugh just smiled and said, I have no comment at this time before leaving the podium. So a very Harbaugh way to answer that question. And I know know you, you were there for the whole Harbaugh press conference and you were lamenting the fact afterwards that you did not video the whole thing because there were so many moments in that Harbaugh podium session that you could have basically done a top 10 weird Jim Harbaugh moments just from that one hour alone. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, when I'm sitting there listening to this, I'm like, I'm not sure if other people are enjoying it as much as I am because like I'm, I really get a kick out of Jim Harbaugh because for, it seems like to me that he's putting on like almost like a, a performance art piece or something like that but I really think you know that is authentically him he's just a a strange character uh, to to be to be blunt and yeah when I was you know I I was sitting there recording him for about 15 minutes or so then just started recording the audio but then when some some of these strange you know reporter interactions started happening I was like 
and these weird tangents he would go on, and maybe we can get into some of those just to, to, to clue the, the listeners in on what some of those were. I was thinking, man, I, I really could have done like a weird press conference moments with Jim Harbaugh at Big Ten Media Days video compilation or something that probably would have done pretty well uh, on the 11 Warriors YouTube or something like that. So, But, you know, maybe next year, hopefully someone doesn't steal my idea before then. But yeah, Dan, I mean, from everything from talking about you know, what was it, his his daughter being a five-star TikToker yeah. to some weird, bizarre story about forcing his daughters to take pictures with Dolce & Gabbana male models and, and it may... <laughs> And both embarrassing them and making their day. A couple of a couple of questions that he basically just no sold from reporters and gave like like two word responses to and just kind of smiled at him. I was cracking up at all that stuff then. Yeah, there was there was one moment at the end of his televised press conference. I don't remember exactly what the question was, but the guy was like trying to. He was basically trying to bait Harbaugh into answering something, and Harbaugh just wouldn't take it. And finally, Harbaugh is like. Well, you can give your feedback to Ward Manuel, who's the <laughs> athletic director at Michigan. So, yeah, he's he's one of a kind. Obviously not somebody who Ohio State fans love, but he's he's always entertaining at those things because he's just he's just different than all the other coaches. He just the way he interacts, the way he answers questions. I think I heard him at least three times use the phrase using your noodle. (laughs) (laughs) So the only coach I heard use that phrase during Big Ten Media Days. Yeah, and uh, he was also asked about, right before he was asked about the uh, the third base comment, he was asked about his relationship with Ryan Day and what that's like. He The the two words he used were professional, and then he said that the pair were, were cordial at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Which is just an interesting kind of you know interaction to envision in your mind when you're thinking about that that comment and the the win for Michigan. Some of the things that, that Michigan and, and the players were saying directly after that big win for the Wolverines, and you know how Ryan Day might feel about all of that. So yeah, that's probably the the, the nicest way to put their relationship, which is probably pretty icy, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't think those two are going out and playing golf together. I don't I don't think they're going out and and hanging out, but. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that answer kind of said it all, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I, I doubt they're going to, you know, get in a fist fight or anything like that, but I don't think Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> some good content, but I, I yeah, I, I don't think, you know, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a matter of it, it's two rivals. They, they obviously, you know, both programs are so focused on wanting to beat each other that when you have like that you're probably not going to be best friends with with the coach of your rival. And so, you know, I don't think there's any controversy there about the fact that they're not best friends. I mean, I think it's to be expected that they would not be best friends you know, keeping keeping things professional. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens in November. You know, it's easy to it's easier to say nice things about the other guy in July. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens that final week in November. You know, for our sake, the less professional they keep all of that, as far as I'm concerned, the better. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a rivalry. Make it fun. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we do like it when you know both sides are talking a little trash to each other and stirring things up. It makes it more fun. Exactly. Might, might as well be a little pro wrestling in there. You know, you get some 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 drama and intrigue. But anyway, Dan, any other things we have to kind of wrap up here as we as we go over the the odds and ends? From Big Ten Media Days, or have we covered it all? I think it's time for us to to wrap it up here. I think you know people have been listening to us for for an hour now, and lots more coverage to come on 11warriors.com. Lots of stories we haven't had time to write yet, so plenty of that to come over the next week before we roll into the start of preseason camp. 
players will report to camp next Wednesday. The first practice will be next Thursday, and everybody's favorite hotel check-in day will be coming up a couple weekends from now. So thanks for listening in and tuning again next week as we get ready to kick off preseason camp with the Ohio State football team.